On today's episode, the San Diego Padres are expected to have a reduction in spending this offseason, suggesting that they might not be able to go after the big free agents. So what about trades? And what about an old-time partner of ours, the Milwaukee Brewers? You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, November 16th. As always, as always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can find me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, or, 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 or. The YouTube, Lockdown Padres on YouTube, where you can see, I forgot to set them up before recording, my buddies Pac-Man and Tatis. They're always here. Don't worry. You can say hi to them. You can, you can, you know, I love, I know people like the the YouTube show for podcasts. What can I say? I, I totally understand wanting to say it's hi to these jolly old folks. Um, on today's episode, guys, we're going to be talking about the Milwaukee Brewers in terms of a potential trade partner with two big time players. Um, expected to be potentially on the market that could work for the Padres and frankly any other team, but especially the Padres. I think today's episode, guys, is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And folks, Let's get started on this episode already. I mean, I mean, sheesh. Here's the thing. Anyone who's watched this show, anyone who's listened to this show knows I am no fan of the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that they represent some of the worst trends and attitudes in baseball. The only one worse is the Oakland A's, who just actually voted, a, I think the owners unanimously voted for them to move or approve the move or whatever. That actually just happened by the time you're listening to this, so... Great league sometimes, let me tell you. Um, but I've made fun of them a lot because they often are a team lauded and praised for their regular season success and the fact that they go out and, they, in fairness, they do make some good trades. They have a lot of really smart people in that organization. I'm not saying they don't, but everyone likes ignoring the other part of this, which is spending, which is going and getting those pieces or just a piece that puts them over the top. And every year, for the past few years, they've had like open season like control of that National League Central Division with the exception of the Cardinals. And the Cardinals were really bad this year and the Brewers won how many games this year? I can't I don't even remember. They won like they won a lot. That's all I know. And they won they went into the first round and get absolutely smoked by the Diamondbacks, which yours truly predicted. Um so now with the absence with the with the the not absence is the right word with Greg Craig Council, their borderline manager of the year, just got paid a crap ton by the Chicago Cubs, um, leaving for that team, obviously. Um, it's been widely speculated that the, the Brewers are going to make a big time like fire sale. Now, I will say in general, first of all, also, by the way, I love that some of the Brewers fans were like, like spray painting over like some center that Craig Council like put money into because he left as if it's like, 
just the way that baseball, the sport, the sports media apparatus orders themselves gaslight fans into thinking that being cheap is better. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of crazy sometimes not to go down too much of a rabbit hole. I've done that enough. But, like, that's kind of crazy that they were like, yeah, screw you for going to a different team that will spend more resources trying to win and also pay you more. You're bad, Mr. Council. So shouts to the, the very silly Brewers fans that did that. But with that, in mind with that shocking kind of development that occurred, it's widely been speculated that the Brewers are going to have a fire sale. And again, I do always like, I, I don't know. It just feels like fire sale is just such a fun thing to talk about. And then it often rarely doesn't happen in baseball, at least in my opinion. Now, don't get me wrong. There are teams that will be sellers at the deadline. There will be teams that are sellers of the off season, but rarely is it like a fire sale. You know what I mean? The most recent example probably coming from um, just a few years ago, in fairness, with the Chicago Cubs, when they traded Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, and probably someone else that I can't remember, right? Like, they just completely cleaned house because that team wasn't going anywhere, and I think they knew it, and they had all those guys becoming freed, and so they said, we're going to do a fire sale, like, let's do this. And they did. Um, and in my opinion, it was it was actually the right move for them because the Cubs, in fairness, they they do spend. It's just, hey, their, their run came to an end, and I think they knew why extend these three players that is older and some of them getting worse. I think that they made the right choice, especially with Chris Bryant and Javier Baez. I mean, my God, Javier Baez, my Puerto Rican legend. He's just been terrible. Um, so I think that you should be careful to trust that any team is going to have a fire sale ever. That being said, the absence, the the loss of counsel, the departure, that's the word I was looking for. The departure of Craig Council as their manager doesn't bode well for that. And they have a lot of players. Remember that this is a team that every year has been cheap for a while, right? This is a team that has been in first place and has still been sellers at the deadline, right? You saw last year, obviously, with the Padres acquiring Josh Hader. You saw um, before this season started with the fact that they went to arbitration hearings over $740,000, which is a lot of money, but not a lot of money in baseball terms. They went over to arbitration for that and... If you ever want to understand like how arbitration is ridiculous, um, go look at the fact that somehow the Brewers won that arbitration case against a guy who had been the best pitcher in the National League for like two years straight, including a Cy Young win. Just if you guys want to understand why baseball can be broken sometimes. Um, so if you take that into account, if you think about the fact that their biggest moves have come in the form of a Mark Canna, like low salary players at the deadline. This all tracks. This is not a team like, say, I think a team that had a little bit of a fire sale was the Mets, but I don't think that that's going to be like their perpetual like thing. They still have a lot of money and they have Steve Cohen, so they're going to go for it. So I'd be a little bit cautious is all I'm saying. But, but that being said, they are, they have so many players that I think can not just be solid additions, but then a couple at the top that could be incredible. And those two are Corbin Burns, who's long been discussed by Padres faithful, and then Devin Williams. And I think that they're both interesting in many ways. And while it is true that um, trades of this nature can be occasionally hard to pull off because, you know, farm system prospects and all that, it can be a little bit difficult, but... I do think that the this the this kind of combination fits here uh, between the Padres and the Brewers. First of all, I already mentioned with Hater, they've been trade partners for a while now. Uh, clearly, they've had that that like past established relationship with the Josh Hader trade and with even before that with the Trent Grisham trade as well, right? Like that was a big time giving up Luis Arias and oh, I'm blanking on the pitcher's name right now. I forgot it. 
Eric Lauer. There we go. Um, Eric Lauer. The Padres are clearly, they have a, a trade relationship with these guys, similar to the way the Padres have a trade relationship with the Rays, which is why next week we'll be talking with Lucius Sembrano of Lockdown Rays to talk about Tyler Glass now. That should be a lot of fun. But on that end, it makes sense. And then also, more importantly, I would argue, than the trade relationship and history, is that the Padres, because of their reduction in payroll, and I know that if anyone watched my live stream episode yesterday, if you didn't, Go, go to the YouTube channel and then just press live. It'll show up or it's available on audio and whatnot. Um, with Blake Snell getting the Cy Young, that right before that, John Heyman dropped a report that the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres are all in on Blake Snell. So I don't necessarily believe that for the Padres' sake because of all the rumors on the spending reduction. And I actually don't think it would be like an awful decision to say, let's allocate our money elsewhere instead of going all in on Snell. I, I would totally understand that. I really would. Cause he's going to get paid a lot, especially with that Cy Young thing as a negotiating tactic for sure. But I think that ignoring that for a second and let's just go by what I am expecting. And what I think a lot of people expect is just them not being able to pull off big time moves. If that's the case, then a trade is what makes sense for this team because they will have lost Blake Snell. Remember, this is theoretical. We're making assumptions here. They will have lost Blake Snell, and if they have a tighter budget, then a trade is what makes the most sense, right? And the Braves or the Brewers have plenty of those players, right? So I think that that's where um, this kind of partnership makes the most sense. Now, of course, it is possible that, let's say, Juan Soto gets dealt, and then that's why they're going to bring back Blake Snell. Right, like they could bring back Blake Snell, and they know that Soto. They don't have to worry about his arbitration numbers. Probably going to be in the thirty million range or something like that next year. So I could totally get that too. But um, let's just assume the Padres are on a little bit of a budget, and that's why the Brewers make sense because Corbin Burns or Devin Williams not getting paid all that much next year, at least in the context of things. And they're not for long-term deals, right? It's not like they're trading for, I don't know, name a long-term Robbie Ray. You know what I mean? Like Robbie Ray, decent pitcher, I think, but he's got a long-term deal getting him some money every year, especially because he just won that Cy Young Award. So Snell's probably going to get paid even more than him, by the way. But we're going to talk about those two guys specifically and what I think about potentially trading for them in just a second, everybody. But first, we have to talk about our friends over at FanDuel. You love them. You know how it is. It's it's betting season, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to get the ball rolling, let me tell you. If, if you want to get the ball rolling early for tonight's game between the Bengals and Ravens, they've got you covered. It is the official sportsbook partner and America's number one sportsbook for the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Just as simple as that, man. You want you a Bengals fan? You're a Ravens fan? Hey, that's what you could do tonight. You believe in the Lamar Jackson bounce back? He's been a little bit weird in the fourth quarter lately. You believe in the fact that Joe Burrow ain't going to let his team fall below 500? You could do that too. Personally, I lean a little towards the Bengals, personally. I don't know. I just got a feeling about it. But anyway, the app is easy to use as well, which is fantastic. And not just the money line bets. You could also do spreads, player props. You want to pick Jamar Chase touchdowns or T. Higgins catches or uh, Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews. You know, all those guys. You could do that as well. Over-unders. There's probably some fun prop bets that are weird as well. They always get a little bit funky over there um, as well if you just want to do like under 50 yards rushing for Joe Bixo. Whatever you want to do, they've got you covered. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off your NFL season of betting. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
And just like that, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves, as you all know. Check us out on SiriusXM. Remember to tune into the play-by-play when they're back next year for your hometown Padres. And of course, check us out on the tube and check me out on the, the X, the Twitter. I refuse to call it X. You know what I mean? Come on. What are we doing here, guys? X? Follow me on X. Doesn't sound cool. It's, it's all about the Twitter bird. I love that little guy. Anyway, let's talk about the trade, guys. Let's first discuss our boy, Corbin Burns. Now, this is a one that got brought up, and everyone was talking about he's a Padre at the deadline last year because I think some people expected, especially if the Brewers struggled, that it would make a lot of sense for them to be like, let's go for this guy because we might need pitching. That was preseason. Now, it turns out the Padres didn't need pitching at all. They're first in starting pitching ERA for the season. And again, that's why I wouldn't freak out if I'm a Padres fan about losing Blake Snell. If you're able to get Musgrove back and Darvish back and then keep one of Lugo, Waka, have that, you know, keep that going, then you're not at like DEFCON 1 for needing starting pitching. I think that there are other teams that need someone like Corbin Burns much more. The Red Sox, the Orioles, the, the, um, the Dodgers, frankly. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy, but the Dodgers, frankly, probably need someone like that more. But Corbin Burns, there's not much you can really say about him um, that hasn't been said already. Like, he's been an amazing player for a very long time. He did go a little bit downwards this year, which is one of the problems, right? If you look at his previous seasons, especially one that when he won the Cy Young, put up a 7.5 war season. Granted, I don't use that all the time for pitchers, but even still. And then followed that off with an equally pretty as dominant season. If you look at the past few years, He's been like one of the elite strikeout starting pitchers in baseball. But in fairness, he has declined. And I'm not talking about just this year. I'm not talking about just this year. Um, If you look at his overall thing and you just take into account the fact that, um, let me see if I can find it really quickly, that his strikeout rate has gone down every year since 2020, it's worth bringing up. In 2020, a 36.7% strikeout rate. It's 2020, whatever. Then 356 the next year, then 30.5%, which was a dip, but not much to freak out about. And then 25.5% this year. Now, these are still amazing numbers. But if you add that, if you couple it with the fact that he maybe came a little bit out of nowhere and he was a little bit, unex- like, ex- what's the word? Um, he, he was a little bit unexpected of a starting pitcher, I think, career arc-wise. And then his walk rate has gone up every year. 5.2% in 2021, 6.4% in 2022, and then 8.4% this year. That's what led to him kind of struggling um, the most this year. He wasn't getting as many strikeouts. He wasn't getting as many whiffs. And his FIP also didn't suggest that he got unlucky with the ERA, a 3.81 FIP um, on the season, as opposed to last year when he had 3.14 and then a 1.63 FIP in 2021. He was cracked that year, let me tell you. Corbin Burns was stupidly good that year. Like, I don't know how he did it, man. But in general, if you just look at those face value stats, a little bit of a problem there, right? Like a little bit of an issue. Um, in terms of him just as a player. Um, I would definitely be worried about that. Again, he is still a very good pitcher. Even those numbers are still very, very good. Um, He struggled a little tad bit more against righties this year, but even still, uh, overall, I still think a very good pitcher. But maybe expecting Cy Young caliber might not be in the cards. Only because, I mean, he's a little bit older, right? Like he's, how old is he now? Let me see. He's 29 years old. He's going to be 30 by the end of the season. Like, it's possible that he's he's aging, right? Like, that's totally possible. He's not old, 
but it's possible that he's getting a little bit worse. He might be entering out of his prime years. And Lord knows how weird pitchers can be once they hit 30 and how, you know, if they pitched a lot of innings that they can decline uh, pretty rapidly when you don't expect it to sometimes, right? So, you know, Robbie Ray, um, Jacob deGrom, those type of guys, right? Like Max Scherzer. No, Scherzer's an awful example. Um, players like that, you know, so... That's that's good. But in terms of what is good for the Padres is what I've already been talking about, which is, oh, got an alert saying the Blue Jays are a sleeper for Otani. I'm not going to lie. Toronto would go nuts. That would just be fun from a fun perspective if he went there. Anyway, in terms of how this fits the Padres, he's owed an estimated, he's got arbitration this upcoming year, right? 2024. Uh, an estimated salary, about $14.1 million, according to Spot Track, if I'm looking at right now. And then after that, he's an unrestricted free agent. So in terms of just the money per year, that absolutely works. It would be an expiring contract, and no matter what it is, even if, I bet you, you could, if the reduction stuff is true and they're really holding to that $20 million mark, or I'm sorry, $200 million mark, then I bet you if it's just for one year, maybe Prowler and company and whatnot can convince to go a little bit over if needed to get someone like Corbin Burns on the books, especially if he's going to be a free agent after that, right? So I would be totally for that. But the problem with that could be that he is a free agent afterwards. And if that occurs, then it feels like the Padres might be in the same situation they were in before, which is going to be like, after this next year, you're going to have the starting pitching figured out. But then the year after that, you're going to be a little bit in trouble with Darvish not getting any younger, with Musgrove not getting any younger, and the whole Waka-Lugo thing, who knows how that pans out. Sure, you've got some really interesting prospects like Dylan Lesko and Robbie Snelling, but who knows? Those are probably the guys that you're going to probably have to give up in order to get a player like Corbin Burns. So you can't rely on them. So I'm just saying that that could be an issue going forward, is that we'd be in the same position where we're like, oh God, we have a, a, a too high of a payroll because it's not like Bogarts, Tatis, Machado, and Darvish are going anywhere, or Cronenworth, or Musgrove, or Suarez, or any of the other guys that they've extended long-term, right? Like, with that in mind, you could find yourself in a position just as bad um, as last year. Now, granted, if you were to make the trade for Corbin Burns, I bet you that means they also keep Juan Soto. You know what I mean? Because if it's a one-year thing, you're once again saying, we're going all in on right now. We don't really care about the future for now. We want to get someone to replace Blake Snell, potentially. Have Burns there, and then boom. Like, we don't care about the prospects. That would make sense. Um, if they trade Juan Soto, then it almost makes less sense to go for Corbin Burns. And I'm assuming the latter option, because just based on what I've heard Based on industry kind of scuttle, it seems a little bit more likely that he's going to be traded. A little bit. Guys, don't don't yell at me. It's just from what I've heard behind the scenes. I'm not saying it's final. I'm not John Heyman. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to lie to you or anything like that. But I lead more towards he will be traded. If that happens, then a Corbin Burns trade, to me, wouldn't make much sense. Because he's a free agent after this year. If you're trying to save money, I just wouldn't understand that. So with all those reasons, um, he would be a fit if you were going for it this year. I think that's what it depends on, right? Are they going all in on this year? Or do they want to be a little bit more balanced, step back, find out the roster, and figure out the rest later, and be a little bit excited about their many, many prospects. They have a really good farm system now, the San Diego Padres. I already mentioned Lesko and um, Robbie Snelling. You've also got Merrill. You've also got Ethan Salas. You've also got guys like Graham Pauly, who Arm Layton was really high on when he talked about prospects last week. All sorts of guys to be excited about. So don't fear if they go the direction of we can still compete now while also having a little bit more balanced of a roster for the future. I'd be a little bit more in favor of that option personally. And the other thing though, I will say if you're worried, Oh, Javi, but like, you know, I also think I'm worried about Corey Bird's numbers. 
Um, Ruben Diablo is a king. And if anyone can make it that he'll at least stay just as good as he was last year or just as good as he was the year before, um, then Ruben Diablo can do it. He's had a lot of success. I mean, you saw what Waka did this year. Lugo, Musgrove, Snell, right? Like, it, he's done really well with uh, starting pitchers as of late. I think Padres pitching coaching and especially Niebla deserve a lot of credit. But it's for all those reasons why I don't necessarily know if Corbin Burns is the number one target. I just think it depends on what they're doing, right? If they're trading Soto, which I think is more likely, I don't see why you go for Burns. Then you should just be saving the rest of those prospects and going out and signing a reclamation project, uh, which is a little bit harsh of a term, but you get what I mean, for a you know Frankie Montas, Luis Severino type of guy to maybe fill in your five spot and then they could blow up. And before you laugh, remember... They kind of did that with Lugo and Waka this year, and it ended up working out. So don't underestimate the cheap options that are available on the starting pitching market this year if the Padres decide to go that direction. They already have the stars. Maybe they need a little bit more depth. So I wouldn't hate that. But there's another option that I think would cost a bit less and be infinitely more exciting in some ways because we might be losing Josh Hader. So what about that other guy? The airbender, Devin Williams. We're going to talk about him in just a second, guys. But first... A few words from our sponsors. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. As always, you know what it is. Follow us on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Follow the actual show at LO underscore Padres. And check out the YouTube as well. Um, over 1,200,000 subscribers. It's not true. Uh, 1230 is how many we have. Uh, but go subscribe, please. That'd be great. Um, let's talk about the airbender, Mr. Devin Williams. Man, this guy has killed us too. There's been, I actually remember like Gary, I don't know if it was Gary Sanchez, but I actually remember the Padres were deeply, deeply looking for any sort of comeback win whatsoever. And everyone's like, maybe it could happen here. Devin Williams, baseball's unexpected. It would be kind of poetic if this is the one guy that they managed to come back against. And of course, they didn't do it. They strike out horribly, and it stinks. I'm pretty sure Trent Grisham was the last out, too, uh, which was also poetic, unfortunately, in its own way. Um, but Devin Williams has been an elite reliever, and I think that not many people would argue that it's not impossible that he becomes the best reliever overall in baseball. This guy's movement, horizontal, on his curves and his sliders, is something out of a movie. I mean, that's why he gets the nickname for um, the airbender, right? He's been absolutely phenomenal these past few years. 1.53 ERA this year, 1.93 ERA last year, and then a 2.5 the year before. And then in 2020, granted, it was like kind of his beginning, a 0.33, which is why he won Rookie of the Year, because he basically did as good a job you could do um, as a relief pitcher, like ever. You know what I mean? Now, granted, it was a smaller season, so that probably played into a factor of the fact that, you know, less time to potentially get lit up and have that ERA inflated. But winning Rookie of the Year as a reliever, still pretty awesome. And a Hoffman reliever. Um, the Trevor Hoffman National League Reliever of the Year Award as well. So there's a connection there. Um, the Padres recently did a big trade for a reliever. Josh Hader, who I have zero doubt will be on another team next year. I, I just don't see it happening, right? And I don't necessarily want it to happen because I'm not a believer in spending big on a reliever long term. That's just me. I don't like doing that. I'd rather spread it out and have a solid bullpen instead. But that's just me. Although it is friggin' tempting sometimes, let me tell you. If you, like, know you're going to get Josh Hader for, like, four years, that is, that is pretty tempting. But even if you look at expected stats, expected ERA every year below three, 
I mean, you guys know who, who he is. Like, he's amazing. He's fantastic. 37.7% strikeout rate this year. 40% last year. 38.5% that year. He does walk some batters every now and then, which isn't always the best. But his strikeout stuff, the fact that you basically just can't hit him because you never know where the damn ball is going, makes him pretty unstoppable. And he's under control until 2026. His estimated arbitration salary, if you look at it, he's got ARB 2 this year and then arbitration 3 next year. It's estimated at $6.1 million. That is $8 million less than Corbin Burns would cost. And considering you're losing Josh Hader, and I'm a little bit worried about the Robert Suarez thing, I actually think that this is an area that would be much more beneficial for the Padres. And you have him under control, which would make more sense if you go either route, whether what I was just talking about before with the Soto situation. If you traded Soto, you could still trade for Devin Williams. That's still That would still make sense because you have him under control for two more years, right? I just think that that's like big time. That's a big time factor to consider. And if you do decide to go for it now, Devin Williams would also make sense, right? Because he's not going to cost nearly as much. You can stomach that salary for sure. And even if it goes up in arbitration next year, it's not going to be, you know, $28 million a year or anything like that, right? Like you've you've got that coming. And in my opinion, the Padres bullpen was a lot more uh, scary this year. I know that they had some good players. Steven Wilson got a whole lot of whiffs, the whiff king. You had Tom Cosgrove as well. You had Hader. And you occasionally had Nick Martinez, right? Like they had some good relievers. Their bullpen was okay. But it was really bad in high leverage situations this year. And more importantly, they're losing Hader. And I've said this three times now, but that needs to be emphasized. So if you just kind of replace Hader with Devin Williams, that would kind of be the dream and something that I would consider giving up a hefty prospect uh, package for. Seriously, I would love that guy coming out of the bullpen for us. And I mean, hey, I was so depressed just watching him when they interviewed him after they traded Hader. And he was just like, you know, as a player, it's like, you know, tough to like, like, what are we doing here? Just to paraphrase, like, just giving up our best players instead of going out to get better players. So I have no doubt in my mind that Devin Williams could be on the trade block. I know it hasn't been widely reported yet, but don't sleep on it. Um, and that's why I think he is a target that makes a little bit more sense for the Padres. Would I give up Samuel Zavala and someone else? Sure. And another thing to keep in mind, by the way, before we talk about prospects a little bit more in depth for the Padres system. Um, these trades are never, in my experience, that crazy as we expect in theory, if you know what I mean, right? Like there's every time these trades happen, like what did the Padres give up? It was Robert Gasser and I believe old friends, Taylor Rogers, and then maybe one other player. I think it was Estrella Ruiz. That's right. Estrella Ruiz to the Brewers for Josh Hader, who they had not just in 2022, but also for all of 2023. Incredible value. Now, I'm not saying that those players are like bad. Um, in fact, I think Estrella Ruiz is actually like pretty okay for them, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look that up actually really quickly. Oh no, didn't he get moved? Yeah, that's right. He got moved. Yeah, never mind. The Brewers are just so dumb. <laughs> They're like one of the pieces they acquired, they just sent to Oakland. I forgot about that. Um, but like, again, the trades never seem that crazy. It's not like Robert Gasser is getting all that much praise right now. He seems to be a little bit on the downturn. Give Preller credit sometimes for the trades. When he makes these big prospects, it's not necessarily the actual trade in a vacuum. It's just that he does too many and does too many extensions. He gets a little bit too trigger happy, um, which is what makes him so unfortunate on top of the off-field, you know, micromanaging concerns and rumors, right? So in terms of that, I don't expect necessarily that the Padres have to give up a haul. A lot of people are going to say that. I'm not saying they don't have to give up something. 
I'm also not saying they have to give up Jackson Merrill or they will have to give up Jackson Merrill or Ethan Salas, who, as far as I'm concerned, are pretty untradeable, right? I think that the, um, I think Robbie Snelling, kind of by ranked by many, including by Arum, Adjust Baseball, the third best prospect, would I give him up? I wouldn't mind it. If you give, let's say they give up Robbie Snelling and Trent Grisham, which I'm just saying that because it would be funny. And then let's say, um, Adam Mazur or Samuel Zavala, right? Like Grisham, Zavala, Snelling. I think that gets it done. Something like that. I don't think you have to give up that much. And then if you're worried and you really like Snelling, I do too. Don't get me wrong, but it does take a lot. And if this team is built for now, I would consider doing big trades like that. If they really want to go for it, they keep Soto next year, et cetera, et cetera, which we've been talking about ad nauseum this podcast. That they also still have Dylan Lesko. So like if they were to trade one of those two, Snelling or Lesko, I'm okay with giving up one because you still have the other one to be excited about on top of the fact that they still have major league pitching potentially. You could go out and sign someone who's pretty good until inevitably, let's be honest, I trust the Padres system to come up with some more prospects. Pitching prospects, not as much, but you know, it's just what you have to deal with. If they're going to sign some guys in free agency and then use their pitching prospects as ammo to get other guys, whether it be pitchers or batters, whatever, I wouldn't mind that strategy necessarily. Um, the batters is where I they've had a lot more luck, in my opinion, as of late. Um, so that's what I'd be really excited in if um, I'm a Padres fan. I think Merrill is going to be fascinating to see next year. Again, I really recommend everyone go check out last week's um, episode with Aram talking about all the prospects. We dove deep into, like, all of them. Seriously. Grant Pauly was a big one as well. Like, that was a big-time one, and I'm, I'm convinced. I don't want to give up that guy. So, again... I think that these options both make sense, but I like Devin Williams a little bit more because of the control, because it wouldn't put them back in square one when it comes to starting pitching after this year, and it would uh, it would um, make sense more whether or not they trade Soto. I know that sounds a little bit galaxy brain the way I've described it, but I think Williams makes sense no matter if you trade Soto or don't trade him. That's what I think. Burns makes more sense if you're really going for it next year because you're probably going to have to give up a lot and he's a free agent after next year and you know starting pitchers are going to get paid a lot. You know what I mean? So that's how I see it. Um, and I wonder if you guys agree. You know, Send me your comments. Send me your DMs on Twitter at Javipeno. Remember that J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O or at L-O underscore Padres. Um, yeah. What can I say, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Those are just my initial thoughts on training for these guys. I imagine we'll talk about them as time goes along, we're still going to talk about plenty of other trade targets and free agents. Don't worry. And with that all being said, everybody, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember, subscribe everywhere. I've said this a hundred times. You know where to check it out. Also, look forward to tomorrow's episode. We're going to be talking about some of the manager candidates that have been rumored, who I like, who I don't like, et cetera, et cetera. And then next week, Ulysses Sembrano, Locked On Rays, crossover special. That should be a lot of fun. Talking more about other future players as well. I got y'all. Don't worry. Oh, well, Javi, like, I want something. You know, what about Thanksgiving? Don't worry. You want to be eating your, your stuffing? You know what I mean? I might even do a fun Thanksgiving-themed episode next week. Who knows? I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, guys. But until next time, stay safe. And, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful hobies. Take care.